Hello there, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to share a great new free resource that I have created for you. Well, for you and for everyone that follows me and everyone I know and interact with, that is set up to help you through the challenging holiday season. It is not always the easiest time to stay on point with your nutrition and your activity and your goals and all of those things during this season. So I have created Gourmet's Holiday Hangout. It is a Discord server that you can join through the link in the show notes, completely free, and it is a growing community of people who just want to be able to support each other and have that daily accountability. You can share your goals. You can share what you're working on. You can also talk about the challenges you're facing as we move through this holiday season. So check that out if you are interested. It is in the show notes. You know That's where all the links are, all the ways you can support the show. But this is a new one that I want to make sure you check out if you are interested in getting just a little boost of holiday support. It's there for you to use as you need. There's no requirements on you have to do X, Y, and Z every day. It's just there for you to participate, get to know some people, and find those extra levels of accountability you need as we move through the end of the year. So I'm excited to let you know about that. And now on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to be with you once again here on the show. I'm excited to bring you this week's guest. And we were going to record last week, and I had jury duty, so that threw a wrinkle into it. So we are, are back at it for this week. His name is Jake Stevenson. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad we're getting to talk. So let, let's get right into it, man. Tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Uh, my entire life, I've always been the fat guy. Um, growing up, severely obese, even as a toddler, um, just never really got healthy, uh, poor food choices in the household that I grew up in, um, not shaming my parents or anything like that, but um, yeah, just poor choices throughout my entire life. And knowing that you grew up big, you know, like you said in that, you know, and it was in your, you know, the food choices in your household were playing a role in it. Like, when did you first become conscious of your size? Um, probably like middle school or so when I started to like be more involved in sports and you actually had to try out for the sports that you weren't just like guaranteed a position because they felt bad for you or you were too young or anything like that. Um, getting cut from your favorite sport, is kind of like a big slap in the face because you can't run <laughs> oh, <laughs> or yeah. you can't fit into the uniform. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I very much remember, um, little league for me was when it was, we don't have a uniform big enough. So. They were giving me a men's uniform from like a neighboring league. It was wild, but right, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh yeah, when everyone's like, "Why is your your jersey's just a little bit of a different color, and those pants don't look exactly right?" And it's just like, "Well, don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah, in, my, in modified baseball, I had my ex stepmother. She actually made me my jersey because they couldn't find a shirt big enough. So it was literally like a black t shirt with like um. Uh, steamed on letters oh wow so you were conscious of it like when do you do you remember when you first made any attempt you know started to make attempts to change you know your weight like were you dieting young or was that something that came later in your life um i was definitely dieting during high school um i I was a big athlete so i wanted to be on the baseball team especially so right before baseball season is when I would hit the gym hard, uh, watch my food as much as possible. But then right after baseball season, it was just a big hamster wheel. As soon as baseball season ended, I'd gained the 50, 60, 70 pounds that I had lost right before baseball season because there was nothing to live for. There was nothing, there was no goal at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was just a big hamster wheel. And was it really just about like, cause I think sometimes we get into cycles like that. It, like you said, it's because there's a, a temporary goal and you hit that goal and you move past it for a little bit and it's like, well, there's nothing else there. So it was really driven by your activity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so just I wanted to be on the baseball team as much as possible. Um, that was really it. Just feeling like being belonged on a team. Um, growing up, I was always kind of like pushed away, even like pick up sports and stuff like that. Um, because I was a slow kid, I was a big kid, I couldn't keep up and all that. And so what, you know, if, if that was the cycle that carried you through high school, what happened after high school? Uh, after high school, it actually got worse. 
Um, that's where I gained probably the most weight because I didn't play any sports. I didn't do any physical activity after um, high school. I just went to college. Um, I was an EMT right after high, right out of high school. Um, so that was a kind of like stagnant-ish job. Um, not really physically active or anything like that. I probably gained 100 to 150 pounds easily after high school. When you look at it, like, do you really, was it, because you, sometimes we all end up in similar, at similar weights, but we, the paths we get there can be a little bit different. And for you, was it just that continued poor relationship with food? Was it about an emotional side of things? Like, what do you kind of put back, you know, when you look at the root of kind of what was bringing you where you ended up? Um, I definitely had like a really poor relationship with food. It brought me joy. Um, literally just trying to eat as much as possible. Um, I mean, growing up also, like we weren't like the best off, like, you know, not shaming my parents or nothing like that. My parents were divorced when I was in third grade. So my mother did what she had to do, but sometimes we didn't know if we were going to eat or not that night. Um, it was, it got to that point sometimes, um, not all the time, but hit or miss. So literally when there was food in the house, you ate that food right up. So even if you got sick off of eating so much food, at least your stomach was full for that night. So just like that constant mindset of, I have food, I have to eat all of this food, I have to clean my plate, there's more food, there's leftovers and everything like that that I can eat. Um, it just kept on rolling and rolling and snowballing. Well, the, the, that scarcity mindset is powerful. Like, exactly. It, it really, once you, you, what's the best way to describe it? Like, it becomes ingrained because you live it. Like, it's not just that you have this irrational fear that there might not be food. It's that there were times where there wasn't food. So you have, like, real-life experience going through that. So when the food is available, and then, I, you know, I think I see it a lot, especially, you know, talking to all the different guys I have on the show, you know, in my own experiences, like, then once you become a quote-unquote adult and can provide, you know, you're providing the food for yourself, it's almost like that scarcity mindset is still there. It's like, no matter how good you're doing or what's going on, it's still somehow in your subconscious, like that trauma of that food, we might not have food to get. Exactly. So you just eat whatever you have as much as you have. <laughs> you know, and, and I think it then overplays into like, well, yeah, I was going to do something, this, you know, I was going to start, a, you know, I was going to start a diet this week, but people were talking about getting pizza Friday and then I might not ever have pizza again. So I better have pizza this Friday. Like it starts to like color, you know, the choices we make even as we move beyond that experience. I mean, talking about pizza, I, I would finish a whole pizza, sometimes a pizza and a half and 20 to 30 wings in one sitting by myself. It's like, it was embarrassing, you know, going to Little Caesars and getting a pizza and crazy bread or stuff, or the cheese breads or something like that. And that's, that was my dinner, it was the whole thing. It's kind of just, it's just wild. Oh, yeah. And what, so what was it like for you, you know, you, you talked about, you know, getting out of high school and kind of heading into college and the work you were doing, like that putting on that weight, like, did you just get to a point where, what's, did you get to a point where you feel like you gave up and was just like, this is going to be who I am? Or was it something you were still continuing to like, try to work through? I was trying here and there, um, for sure. But at some point it was just kind of like, I'm sick of failing because if you, if you keep failing, you just like you keep getting down on yourself and it leads to emotional and mental issues and everything like that. And it's just like failure after failure after failure. It really just plays a toll on you. So I did think at some point I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to die young. I'm not going to live to my full potential because of my weight and medical issues. Um, and so at some point I just accepted that. No, understood. And were your were your medical issues driven by your weight, or was it something separate? No, it was definitely my weight. Uh, diab diabetic, bad knees, liver issues, gallbladder issues, sleep, sleep apnea. I was basically not even breathing when I was sleeping. The doctor was like, that's probably the worst case of sleep apnea I've ever seen. And I think the wild thing to like people out there listening are like, you're listening off those diseases that in a lot of ways are, or those challenges that are in a lot of ways are lifestyle problems. Like they can be corrected through lifestyle changes. Like, and they're saying, well, why would you stay there? And, but I, I, I think there's that, there's a powerful point when you were talking about that idea of that repeated failure, even if we weren't doing it right, or we were, there were pieces missing 
it still felt like we were doing everything that we could. And I think that it's like, like you said, it beats you up and gets you to the point where it's like, well, do I accept things as the way they are because I know them the way they are? Or do I just keep hoping and fight that I'm going to fight and somehow win this time? That's even more exhausting. Or at least our perception is that it's more exhausting. Yeah. Like, you can only fail so many times, and finally you just have to... You, everybody gives up at some point. I mean, everybody says, you know, you get back up on the horse, you get back up on the horse, you get back up on the horse, but sooner or later that climb gets harder and harder, and finally you don't want to make that climb anymore. I think that's where I was. Well, yeah, and I mean, I don't know if this is something you experienced, but it's also like you're doing it... It's Weight loss is a very public thing, like, as is weight gain. Like, it's not something that we do behind closed doors for the most part. People see it when we lose weight, and they see it when we gain weight. And eventually, it's like, how many, you know, what do these people think watching me go through this? Like, it's, you know, there's a lot of just just emotional issues that start to develop, you know, that can come from going through that repeated pattern. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, you eat healthy in front of people, and they bust on you for eating healthy and then you don't eat healthy in front of people and they bust on you for not eating healthy so it's a big society thing and it finally got to the point where it's like all right you know you're gonna bust on me for anything so might as well enjoy um all this greasy fatty food Mm-hmm. so what was it you know at your heaviest when you decided it was time to like really do something about this or like where what brought you to that place yeah, so I did try to have weight loss surgery about three or four years prior, or about two years prior to when I actually did. Um, there was a big insurance issue thing, and then I basically aged out, so I had to stop the process. Um, but I, at my heaviest documented, it was 440 pounds, um, and I had to get a new primary care doctor um, because I was having a DOT job, and I had to have a DOT physical. Well, at 440-plus pounds you're going to have sleep apnea. So I had to have a primary doctor and they had to sign off on stuff. And he did my routine blood work and everything. He's like, I'm not going to see you in 10 years. And I'm like, oh, are you retiring? And he's like, no, you'll be dead. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I uh, did some research, found a great bariatric surgery down in Rochester, New York, and got in the process and the rest is history. Well, before we get into the the details there, like, what was it like to have a doctor say that to you? It was um, a wake-up call, um, for sure, because, you know, I I knew, like, I always had that mindset, I'm not going to live to my full potential, I'm going to die young, I know that. But for them to give me an actual number, it was kind of scary, because, you know, I I do have a wife, Um, we are trying to start a family and everything like that, and not being there for a 10-year-old um, is really scary and kind of frightening and, uh, it just really like hit home. So it's like, okay, I have to do this not only for myself, but for other people as well. No, understood. So like you said, you, you track, you you did the research on, on weight loss surgery again, you know, and got into that process, which, which procedure uh, were you pursuing? Um, I had the ruin why. Mm Mm-hmm. Which can you, because I, I, most, most of the guys that I have in the show have the sleeve. So it's been a while since I've had someone who've had uh, a different, I had someone who had the full bypass um, on, a, on a few months ago. But could, just for people that might not know, can you give a quick overview of what the Ruin Y is? Yeah, so what they do is they take your stomach and they basically cut it down to where your, like, your main stomach where your food goes into is the size of a golf ball. Um, then you do have the other part of your stomach still in you that makes all your stomach acid. And then they go down into your intestines and they bring it up and they snip it. So basically it looks kind of like a Y and they attach part of it to your new stomach and some of it to your old stomach. So that way down in your intestines is where the food and the acids meet to digest the food properly. And so what was that, what was the surgery experience like for you? It was intense because with my insurance, I had I, I was in the process for a year because I had to have documentation for nutrition and weight loss. I couldn't w- do any weight gain during the time frame. Um, I had to have psych- like psychological evaluations done um, and everything like that. So it was it was not easy. Um, 
but I'm really glad that I finally uh, I made it through it. So no, understood, understood. And what was the recovery process like for you? Like, because one of the things that I've talked to guys about before that have had surgery is, you know, all they, there is a lot of work before you get the surgery, but when the surgery is in place, there's that immediate physical barrier, you know, to to the food experience. Like, what was it like for you, you know, having to relearn how to eat after surgery? Um, it was challenging because my eyes still had that big stomach mindset. Um, so I would sometimes eat until I threw up where I couldn't really throw up, but I felt like I did and I'd be in pain for hours on end. Um, a lot of times with, I don't know if it's true with the sleeve or not, but with Rue and Y, it's really hard to throw up. Um, there's just nothing there to come up and it can actually do a lot of damage. So literally to the point where I had to go to the hospital once or twice because I ate too much um, because I was in so much pain. But um, I actually like recovered fairly quickly and very well, according to my doctor. Like, um, you know, there's different food phases after the surgery and all that. And I was um, hitting the stages before that I should have been even though my nutrition and my doctor said that I could because I was able to tolerate everything. No, understood. And so you had the surgery in 2020, correct? Correct. Okay. So you're going through recovery, things are going well. Like what, what was it like when things really started to like physically change for you? Physically change probably like two to three months after, you know, the clothes not fitting and um, all that kind of stuff. And that just got, um, it just expedited. Um, after I started going to the gym more frequently and everything like that, just the clothes and just seeing everything. Well, and that was going to be kind of the question I was leading into. Like when, when did like, when did real physical activity come into the picture for you? For me, it was about two to three months into it. Um, I was like slowly doing my walks outside, you know, per my doctor and everything like that. But I really started hitting the weights probably about two to three months after, um, I had the surgery. And now I'm assuming at some point in your past, having been an athlete, you had some experience, you know, in the, in the weight room, what was it like going back or what was that experience like in the place that you were at, you know, two, two or three months after your surgery? Um, it definitely took a little bit to get used to again. Uh, you know, muscle memory took a little bit of time to come back into it, but also more so than just the physical aspect, it was the emotional and the mental part, um, being in a gym still thinking that I'm a 440 plus pound person, you know, on a treadmill, lifting all these weights, like, I feel like people are watching me, judging me, and uh, just that was the biggest struggle of going to the gym, was just, are, are people watching me, and that's really it. And what did you, what, what helped you get over that? Like, what helped you keep at it? <clears throat> um, probably the results that I was getting. At some point, I kind of just got to the point where I'm like, I really don't care what people think anymore. Um, I'm doing this for me and my family. And if people are going to look at me, laugh at me, they can if they want. But um, I'm the one that's putting in the work. I'm the one that's showing up every single day, being consistent with everything. Understood, understood. That, that's a great perspective. And what was what was your weight loss prog- progress like? Does that make sense? Like, how did or how did you know? How did it go? Like, was there? Uh, a fast drop at first did it slow down like what was your what was that like for you man i was definitely having a lot of stalls um and then uh so i i lost a lot of weight in the very beginning then i was probably like at a two to three month long stall you know hitting up my nutritionist hitting up my doctor something's wrong i'm not doing something right i need this i need to be checked out they're like no just trust the process and go you know two or three months into that and finally after a year after my surgery I'm like, all right, um, something's got to give here because the scale's not moving. I'm eating what they're saying. I'm exercising, everything like that. Something's not working. I only lost like, I think it was like 90 pounds, 90 to 100 pounds, give or take, um, my first year, which is actually pretty low for being how big I was. Um, So I actually hired a nutrition and a fitness coach. um, I met on Instagram through um, a couple people that I followed and everything like that. And, uh, he was like, what are you eating? And I said, I'm eating like eight to 900 calories. He's like, no. He's like, You're, I'm doubling that crap right now. I'm like, what? The first two weeks, I dropped another 15 to 20 pounds, eating more. He was like, yeah, you're, you're not eating enough. 
So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Which is wild, right? Like, it's, it's, it, it is crazy when, you know, because, yes, you know, thermodynamics and all calories in, calories out are, are a thing in general. But there are times where our bodies, you know, especially when our food intake gets too low, stops really responding to what we're putting into it. Exactly. I mean, I wasn't definitely, I wasn't eating like the best food either. You know, I was still having McDonald's, like still like the food relationship wasn't that good post-surgery either. Um, it definitely took like my nutrition and my fitness coach to really like teach me and to do, you know, he's like, go research this, go research that. And just kind of like guiding me in the correct direction because the nutritionist and the doctor that I have for surgery, their main goal is weight loss. Like, you know, we want you to hit this number, this number, this number. That's all I kept on hearing is all this percentage, that percentage. And it got to a point where it's like, I can only do that for so long. Like, this is a lifestyle that I have to develop. I'm like, I just can't keep worrying about like the scale number or my body percent number or fat percentage and everything like that. It's like something's got to give. And what, what do you think really helped you with, you know, in all of that that you were doing, what do you think were the things that really helped you make that shift in your relationship with food? Um, I started to like kind of think about it more as, um, fuel for my body. Um, you know, chicken and rice, chicken and rice, and it, it, it tastes good. Yeah. Here and there, but it's fuel. It's what my body needs. Um, what I was eating prior to my surgery and prior to, um, that relationship change clearly wasn't working for my body. Um, and it was just, I had to change that mindset that, okay, yes, I can still enjoy some food, but I can't have it be all about my life. Um, so that's what kind of changed a little bit was just, this is fuel for my body. Um, not pleasure. Which I think is something a lot of people can relate to when they're hearing you talk about it. Like I think, and, and I think a lot of people aren't even aware of that relationship we've created as a culture between pleasure and food. Like, uh, if you watch at food advertising, it's, it can <clears throat> seem like porn sometimes. Like, yeah, you start drooling. You know, <laughs> like there's that, re that reaction to food that way. But it really, it's really hard because I, I think there's a lot of people out there that when they hear you start talking about food as fuel, they're immediately like, well, you're not living life you know, and you're, you're punishing yourself and that's not, you know, no one can ever, no one could live their whole life thinking of about food as fuel. Like it's a, it's a perspective that really challenges people. Yeah. 100%. And that's the thing about my coach too. I'm, I, I recommend a thousand, I can't like say it enough, preach it enough to hire a nutrition or a fitness coach or something like that, because they are there for you and they teach you and they guide you and, because you can only do so much like you are tunnel vision on yourself. Like you got to have that third party from the outside looking in um, to really kind of check you and help you out. And now this is a question that I have, like, because knowing that you had the surgery, was your coach someone that had worked with people that had had surgery before or were you like a first go for them? No, he's definitely worked with people. Uh, Rob, Rob Spinelli. Um, he's a big one on Instagram. Um, he actually helped coach Dalton to, for summer shredding and everything like that. So he had like knowledge and everything like that for the surgery. Which I think is important because there's physical differences, you know, to what you've been through, you know, than the average person, you know, just in terms of like what they're dealing with biologically, you know, with weight loss. Like, so exactly. it's good to work with someone who has that understanding. Yeah. 100%. You know, kind of, I'm like, Hey, this food isn't working for me or, you know, can we just change this up? And he's really receptive of everything. So, well, that's great. And what, what was it like for the people, you know, in your life, you know, as you made these changes, like, did you get, were there people that were trying to talk you out of the surgery or was your, were your family and friends behind you doing it? I know sometimes there can be some negativity there just because of, you know, people have fear around surgery, but also when they see the person that they've known is, has been a certain way changed, there can be some pushback there. Like, what was your experience like with that? 100%. So my father actually had the surgery when I was in school. Um, my, my whole family is, is obese. Um, or was I, I come from like an obese family. Um, and he actually had the surgery quite some time ago. He lost like two, 150 to 200 pounds himself. 
Um, so he definitely was 100% supportive of me. My mother, she has so many medical issues. Um, a lot of it does contribute to obesity. Um, so she was supportive because she didn't want me to die young. Uh, my wife, she's was a godsend throughout the whole process and still is. Um, without her, I don't know where the hell I'd be, to be honest with you. So, um, but friends, I lost some friends, you know, drifted away some, with some friends because <clears throat> a lot of times, a lot of people don't understand or really see that society, like all your gatherings with friends is around food. Like, hey, let's go out for a drink. Oh, hey, let's go have dinner. Let's go to a pizza party. Let's go do this, this, this. It's like, I can't do that. Well, I can, but I don't want to because I don't want to put myself in that position to where I have to fall back. No, understood. And I think it's, like you said, like it, it, it's like, it's not that we're not connected to the people anymore. It's just that it's all, you know, what I know, like from my perspective at times, like it doesn't feel fair, fair to ask other people to change their behavior because the behavior that they enjoy doing is something that I can't participate in anymore. Exactly. And, you know, your wife, she saw you at your worst, you know, and, and then saw you come through this. Like, I'm sure it's it's been incredible to have her by your side, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely lost myself, too, after surgery. You know, I got a little too much confidence. And, you know, we kind of, you know, the whole post-surgery stuff, it, it's real. Um, you know, trying to find yourself and where you belong and everything. And kind of lost myself for a little bit but um she was what well, a wife and a significant other um is and she stood by me and didn't run away or anything like that and helped guide me and we're stronger than ever now so which and i don't i don't want to you know necessarily need to pry into like the personal details you know right between you and your wife but you know when you talk about having lost yourself i think that's not not something people talk about a lot like some of those changes that happen you know, it's, and I think part of it is because of, you know, that you're, you're making these changes, they're happening, you know, not, not always a hundred percent fast, isn't the right word, but faster than it might've been if you hadn't had the surgery. Like what was, what did it feel? You know, when you say you lost yourself, like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So I got addicted to social media. Um, basically, you know, I was looking for everybody's approval on social media and, posting all the stuff and just looking for that attention and getting that attention. Um, and, you know, I kind of just got away from my reality, um, you know, but other than that, um, yeah, she, she definitely checked me when I needed to be checked and she helped me get back to being Jacob. So I definitely owe everything to her. So time for a quick break from the forum for me to tell you about a new sponsor here on the show our first sponsor ever, and that's Performance Gains. Performance Gains is a nutritional supplement company founded by my friend and someone you know well if you've been listening to the show for a while, and that's Jonathan Shane, a.k.a. The Keto Road. John wants to show you that every person can perform at their best, not just athletes. His products contain real food ingredients that he specifically hand shows that are shown to bring about real results. Right now, his Energized Reds mix is on sale for 20% off until the end of November when you use code RECOVERY at checkout. Because that's what Reds are meant to do. Support your recovery from the exertion of a hard workout or a challenging day. With a little matcha green tea powder in there for a clean energy boost, electrolytes to promote hydration, and a proprietary superfruit blend to provide antioxidants without all of the sugar. You're getting the great stuff of the fruit without all the sugar that comes with it. Reds packs a punch and has been a part of my daily routine since he launched the company. Like honestly, he sent me samples, I started using it, and I saw the results. So I use it on, on the daily. So if you are interested, use the link in the show notes now and that recovery code to get 20% off Reds for yourself today. Now let's get back to the show. And what is your life like now? Like, thinking about what life was like at 440 pounds, like, where, what are things like for you today? It is a complete 180. Um, I do 5Ks voluntarily now. Um, it's, I never thought I would run a 5K in my life. I didn't think I could run five steps in my life, but other than 5Ks, um, I did compete in a bodybuilding show last year um, down in Houston, Texas. Never thought I would take my shirt off in front of thousands of people. 
Um, and I'm actually just announced that I'll be doing another show, <clears throat> excuse me, um, November 9th of 2024 in a local area here. Nice. So, and what yeah. is that, pro- you know, for you? Because, and again, I, I've had, you know, was the was the Texas show summer, summer shredding? Yeah, yes. Because I've had a couple guys on the show that, that have done that. What was that experience like for you? Like, you know, not just taking your shirt off on the stage in front of everyone, but really kind of like putting yourself out there. Yeah, it was uh, a challenge in itself. Um, it was just the whole, it, it's, it, it's just hard to explain. It's just um, it, not even just being in like the public eye for anything like that. It's also just like the process of it all. Like it was like a 16 or 20 week prep that I did where it was uh, lower calories every single week and increased cardio. And I got down to where I was, I think I was like 13 or 1400 calories a day doing an hour and a half of cardio plus lifting weights. So it got very challenging that way. But um, at the end of the day, it's a big mental battle. And I just wanted to push myself to see if I could actually do it mentally. I knew I could do it physically. Um, that wasn't that hard. It was just the mental battle of sticking to a plan and just doing it properly. And, and obviously, you know, having gone through that experience and now you're, you know, you're doing another show. Is this something that you want to continue to pursue after this? Like, is it a passion you're developing? Like, take us into that a little bit. Like, did you get get the bug when you were (laughs) summer shredding? Like, well, take us into that, man. Yeah, I definitely got the bug for sure. Um, I just, I just want to prove to everybody that it's never too late to start something um, or to find a new hobby or anything like that. I mean, I started this when I was 28 years old. I had weight loss surgery when I was 28. My first bodybuilding show at 30. I mean, you got people who hit the stage at 16, 17 years old, and that's when they start their career. Um, I'm definitely not doing it for a pro card or anything like that. I'm just doing it because it's, it's a challenge to myself. Um, mentally, physically, emotionally, everything, and also just to inspire others to not, they don't have to do a bodybuilding show. Just do something that you didn't think that you could, or at least attempt to do something that you never thought that you could, and you're never going to know unless you try it. Um, so that's really it. Yeah. When you look back on what your life was like, you know, just three years ago, and you look at what you're doing now, like, what do you think are really the major changes, the biggest thing, you know, the biggest changes to your life overall that you see happening because of these physical changes that you've made and this work you've done in your relationship with food. Yeah. Um, I definitely think like meal prepping. Um, I never, I didn't even know what the hell meal prepping was when I first started this whole thing. Um, and then just I drew a, a love for the gym. Um, never thought that I would ever be up at four o'clock in the morning, going to the gym for an hour and a half, two hours, and everything like that. And what do you think are, what are some of the, the changes, cha- not changes, challenges you've faced these past couple of years that you didn't expect? Uh, definitely the loss, losing myself and then trying to refine myself. Um, I always told myself, oh, the surgery's not going to change me. It's not going to change me. Well, I got a big slap in the face. It definitely changed me. Um, and then, you know, when I did find myself, I was able to turn it around to where I can actually help and inspire others. Um, so turn that negative into a positive. And what are, you know, what are the lessons that you really learned from going through that, that you feel like other people need to hear? Um, have a big support system for sure. Uh, without a support system, without a community or anything like that, um, it's going to be very, very challenging. You have to have those third party people looking in and supporting you. Um, don't just rely on your doctor and nutritionist or anything like that either. I know it might sound kind of weird for post-surgery, but, um, Find other people in the community that have weight loss surgery that's been successful. Get a nutrition coach. Get a fitness coach. Um, just find other people to help you along your journey um, and get some kind of guidance. No, I think that's really important because I think sometimes a lot of our problems when we were heavier were because we were keeping all of these things, trying to deal with all these things alone. You know, and at the end of the day, like we're the ones that make the choices to take the actions. But dealing with alone is not something we have to do. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I I was a type of person that never talked about emotion or anything like that. I mean, I grew up in a law, in a law enforcement family. Um, you know, it's kind of 
a stickler. Uh, you don't talk about that. And back, you know, 30 plus years ago is also men don't talk about feelings. Men don't cry. Um, and then my wife is actually a therapist. So it was kind of eye opening. And uh, yeah, you're talking about shit. So let's sit down and talk. You know, I know we were talking a little, you know, talking about, you know, seeing food as fuel today, you know, is, is kind of where your perspective is now. Like, what, because I think one of the biggest things people struggle with when they're working on that relationship with food, you know, and that food has been that emotional piece for them, is how do they handle those emotions when they're not using food? Like, you, and I think sometimes, especially people run into that wall when they've had surgery because, it's not even like you can't go back, you know, it, immediately, at least in terms of like food behavior, because you physically can't do it. Like you said, throwing up puts you in the hospital. Like what, what is your perspective on how you handle things from the emotional side now? Like what helped you learn to be able to do that and not use food? Yeah. So I definitely, the biggest thing is I don't tell myself no. So, um, I'm, I, I've actually been pretty lucky, like I said before with my surgery, um, that I really haven't had too much food that I can't handle. Um, I can handle the red meat, I can handle protein, I can handle all of the stuff a lot of people can't. Um, <clears throat> but I do track my food every day, um, like I said, I meal prep, but if I get a craving of a slice of pizza or ice cream, I don't tell myself no. Um, I can't have that because that's where the binge eating and the uh, going back to that poor relationship with food is going to come from. Um, I plan for it. If I want ice cream, if I feel like ice cream tonight, I plan for it tomorrow. Um, and then I just work my calories and my macros and everything like that around that. So that way I get what I want without wanting to binge eat the entire carton of ice cream. And does that... Because in your bio that you sent me, you, you you ended it with the phrase, you know, balance is the key to success. Is that really what that's about? Or, you know, what does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, uh, definitely balance is the key to success. Um, like I said, you don't tell yourself no. Um, I'd go out and I enjoy, you know, steak and go to restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I also, like I said, I plan for it. Um, I just think of, like, planning my food and, like, tracking my food. Um, as my budget, um, I got a certain amount of money, which is my calories, and I have to stay at that to be 100%. Um, if that means sacrificing, you know, a breakfast or something like that, because I know I'm going to go out for dinner, okay, I'll have a light breakfast. Um, but I know at the end of the day that um, I'm emotionally going to be okay because I can see my numbers and know that um, I planned for it. Jake, what looking at what you've been through, like what are the things that you feel like you're focused working on now? Uh, right now I'm just kind of wor working on um, my life balance. Um, I got a new job. Um, so trying to figure out that schedule around working out and actually being home because I'm away from home for a certain amount of days. Um, Cause I work like an hour and a half or so away. So it's hard to travel back and forth when you use 16 hours. Um, so just trying to find a life balance right now, but um, just staying on top of my nutrition as much as possible and trying to get to the gym as consistent as possible. And in working on that life balance, like what, what are the things that you feel like you have in place now that will guarantee your success going forward, no matter what you're dealing with? Um, I have a team. Like I said, I have my coach, I have my wife, um, I have friends. Uh, I just have people that I check into. I literally have like a system in check or in place that holds me accountable for it all. Um, you know, if I start slacking a little bit on my nutrition or my gym, my coach is right there to, you know, saying, hey, you know, we got, we got to get back on the horse. Or if my life or if my home balance starts to get a little wonky or I pick up too much overtime, my wife's like, hey, you know, it's, you got to cut back a little bit. You know, we need us time as well. So um, just having those people in check because I'm the type that can get so tunnel visioned on one specific task and kind of block out the rest of everything else. And just having those people around me to help me take that tunnel out. Oh, I, just should. I think that makes a lot of sense, man. I appreciate that. Now, Jake, is there, 
you know, we, we've talked a lot about kind of this journey that you've been on. Like, is there anything that you wanted to make sure we talked about today that we haven't gotten to yet? Yeah, I mean, um, don't be afraid to say that you had surgery. Um, I see that a lot where people are like, oh, yeah, I didn't have surgery. But then you do find out that you did. Um, you know, people who had surgery get picked on a lot. Oh, you took the easy way out or you did it the cheating way or stuff like that. It's like a lot of us who did have the surgery, not knocking people who did it naturally, I 100% give applaud them for doing it natural i tried it i just couldn't do it um just that we made the decision to change our body for our entire life right in order to get healthy well um, that, to, yeah it's that, just no I, i'm sorry I, that's fine? the thing that drives me crazy is when people say surgery is the easy way out and it's like do you, do you understand that it involves surgery like yeah. that's the main word in it like <laughs> there's anesthesia involved you know you're told you may not wake up. Okay, let's, you know, it's it's not like people just walk in off the street and say, hey, I'd like to get a bypass done if you have time today. Right. I mean, I've had friends that, um, like, their significant others, or they've had the surgery themselves, and they get mental, or not mental, uh, medical issues from the surgery. Like, one lady has celiac disease. It's like, that's a lifelong chronic thing now, where people who have surgery, they can't stop losing weight. It's like they can't gain the weight back and they don't know what to do and the doctors don't know what to do at that point either. It's just, it's crazy. There's so much things that can go wrong if you don't do stuff properly. But it just kind of irks me a little bit when people say surgery is the cheating way out and all that. So just be proud that you had surgery and own it and showcase it and all that. Yeah, and don't listen to those people. Like, that's the hardest thing. And it's funny because I think it comes back around to, you know, you talking about that feeling like you had gotten addicted to social media. Like I think we have come to this place where like, not only do we personally feel like we have a right to comment on every person's situation, what our opinion is, but we take all of those opinions, you know, those, those garbage anonymous comments that are left on posts and people put on our walls and things along those lines. And we take it to heart and it's forgetting like that person probably would not have said that to you. If you were actually, they actually knew you face to face, you know, it's like, I, I, I was actually talking with someone else last night about, you know, I, I can't remember who it was and I'm trying to remember who it was, but they basically said, if, if you don't have my phone number, or wouldn't feel comfortable calling me and telling me that opinion. I don't care about your opinion. Right. Like I have such a small, small circle. Um, there's very few people that get to me. Um, it's just my close circle that I really only listen to with, you know, everybody's like, well, how do you just block it out? It's like, I, if they're not there to support me, if they're not making my life any better, including family, I've cut out family members and everything like that as well. I have no issue doing that. If you're not there to support me and make me better every single day, then I don't have the time or the energy to give to you. Um, that's just how I kind of see it nowadays. And Well, we only have a, we have a limited, amount, a limited charge in our battery every day. And if we're wasting that energy on people that really don't matter, as harsh and as cruel as the things they say are, it's, it's, you have to come to that place of saying, okay, because that diffuses it. You know, when someone comes at you harsh and you say, okay, like, what are they going to do? They're just going to keep railing at you. Like that's also, and, and this is, you know, I'll say this to every person out there listening. The block button was invented for a reason. If someone is being an asshat in your life, you on social, especially on social media, you don't owe them anything. You don't owe anyone anything on social media. Like hit the block, tell them, you know, tell, you know, take them out of your life and don't, and don't give them an, you know, don't even give them a reason. Like you don't owe them that. Yeah. Everybody just tries to please everybody. The only people you have to please is yourself and like your loved ones and your, not even like them, not even a close circle. Just like really you, like if something makes you happy, then do what makes you happy. If other people don't like it, then they can just screw off, basically. Well, it's like going back to that place of controlling the things that I can control. And often, I can't control anything that is said to me or typed to me or any of that. I can only control the way that I react to it. And if I allow myself to get riled up every time anyone says something I disagree with or is negative, I'm going to have no time for anything else in my life. <laughs> right, no sleep. <laughs> right, like, well, I'm, I'm staying up all night just writing long, you know, and, and back, and even back when, like, the internet first started, like, you could get into some raging debates with people, and now it's just, like, idiocracy, like, 
there's no there's no reason to get into like a raging debate with someone who's leaving negative comments on a post you made like and i find like the best thing is you know don't even respond to or acknowledge it and you know then they're you know they're foaming at the mouth about the fact that you're not giving them the time of day and it's because that's what they want they want the attention like yep negative attention is still attention it's good and it's got nothing and the the biggest realization is it's really got nothing to do with you even if they disagree with something you said or did it's got zero to do with you you know it's it's wild but it is it it does come into play like it you know the fact that people develop opinions about other people based on the 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 things that they did or the way they lost weight or their lifestyle in terms of the way they're eating you know the type of food they're eating like it's wild that all of the judgments that people put on people for those things and like i just really like i i just know so many people i know so many people that have had surgery and so many you know i know many of them that have been very successful and I know some people that have had really horrible failures because they know they didn't do the work they needed to do when they when they had it. Surgery is a tool. And if it's a tool that a person chooses to use, that's not a decision made lightly. Like, are there some people that just make a very quick decision to have surgery and then probably end up screwing it up? Of course there are. But there are people who do that in every way of eating, in every way of life. Like, don't let that the experience of that you know that person who's like I because yes are the people that spout off and say well I had surgery and I can do whatever I want now like but that's not representative of ninety nine point nine percent of the people that make the decision to have a life altering surgery it's just not no, not at all but it's more fun to put, put, hold up that example and be like you know well you know yeah you know my sister's friend's cousin's hairdresser's cousin you know, said she got the surgery really quickly and didn't have to do any of the work and that, you know, it is the easy way. And it's like, well, that person probably doesn't even really exist. Like, exactly. You know, (laughs) or they just gained all their weight back. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, that's yeah. Like that. I mean, and I've talked about that on the show with people, like when, when someone goes into, you know, has the surgery, you know, and you know, in a lot of ways, you know, the, what they talk about, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, is like you have like that magic time period where you can really harness the power of the tool. And if you don't, you can end up out eating the surgery and then you're right back where you started before. Exactly. They don't get like you have that limited time to make those life changing, lifestyle changing moments. And a lot of people just don't do it. Um, they don't change their eating habits or their exercise habits or anything like that. And they just fall right back into the same hamster wheel and they blame the surgery and say the surgery was a failure. No, it's surgery is just a tool. Like you said, um, it's the person in charge of the tool that's um, accountable for how it works. Well, Jake, I've really appreciated this discussion today. I, I end every episode with five questions. I call the fat guy five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so question number one, Jake. Living or dead, tell us who is your favorite fat guy? Living or dead? Uh, Chris Farley. Chris Farley, there we go. That's one that I hear a lot, so <laughs> I'm not going to say whether I 100% agree with that or not. We will let it be what it is. Question number two, man. Tell us something about yourself that you love. Uh, I love the outdoors. Uh, hunting, fishing, um, hiking, all that good jazz, anything outdoors. Well, that's that's something that you love. I'm I'm going to redirect the question back to you. Okay. The question is, what is something about yourself that you love? Oh, okay, I got you. Um, my discipline and my consistency. Um, if I have a plan, um, I'm going to hit it 95 to 100 percent, um, every single time. I like it. That's a good answer, Ron. Question number three. We talked a little bit about the habits that you've built, you know, in this journey that you've been on, man. What do you think has been the most important new habit that you've built? Um, I do weekly check-ins with my wife, um, which isn't really post-surgery or nothing like that, but it's a, it's a life change. It's a lifestyle change. Um, we have uh, weekly check-ins, um, just to make sure we're all on the same page and making sure that we're going in the positive direction that we want our future to go. I like it. I think that's something more people should be doing for sure. Yes. Question number four, man. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Uh, buying a house. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Process, process of it right now. So. Awesome. Well, I hope that that goes really well for you, man. Thanks, man. And question number five: If you could go back and talk to yourself at the beginning of this journey, man, twenty twenty, you know, day before weight loss surgery, what is one thing that you'd want to say to yourself? Should have done it sooner. Mm. Should have done it sooner. Understood. 
but you're here now. You can't change the past and look at the things that you've accomplished, man. Uh, we, we never really even talked about this. So where are you at weight-wise now? Like, how much weight have you lost? Just uh, people so love your numbers. Yeah, so at my highest, it was 440 pounds documented. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I was over that. Uh, my lowest was right when I was stepping on stage right. last year. That was a uh, 209. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm hovering right about 235 to 240. I'm kind of like in a lean bulk phase right now, gearing up for another big cut coming up for the show in 2024. So, gaining weight. <laughs> Which is, you know, we could go off on probably for another half hour talking about what it's like <laughs> that lost weight and now be thinking, you know, focusing on gaining weight. Like, that's a wild challenge for sure. Yes. Well, oh, if people yeah. want to follow along and see what that's like for you, man, and even see what happens with the show, where do they find you? Yeah, I'm at Insta on Instagram. I post there quite frequently. It's uh, at uh, Jake's Weight Loss. Um, I try to post as much as I possibly can, uh, videos, workouts, uh, nutritional stuff, uh, just day in the life of me and all that. Nice. Well, I will be sure to put that in the show notes of the episode today. And just for everyone listening, my conversation with Jake is not over. Once we wrap this up, we will be going over to the Patreon after show. So if you are not yet signed up for that, get yourself signed up for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. You can get bonus episodes every week with the guests. So Jake and I are going to keep talking. But before we do that, man, Jake, I do uh, just want to say a big thank you, thank you to you for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, man, this is my first podcast, so nice. it's a pleasure to be on yours for uh, to pop that cherry. So awesome. Well, I'm glad to be there. I, I feel like that's a, a role that I fill for a lot of people. You know, when they either go on to keep doing more podcasts or they they have podcasts of their own. But it's always great to have a conversation about these places. You know, like I said, we all get to them in, by different manners and get out of them by different manners. But there's still some commonality there that's always great to share. So Jake's information will be in the show notes today, people. Make sure you check that out and connect with him. As always, you can connect with me at Gourmigos Keto on Instagram and on X. You can also email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And then, my friends, remember, go out there. Do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people I know. Then catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Thank you.